Well, very, very warm welcome to you all on such a beautiful morning. It's great to have you uh, with us. Uh, warm welcome if you're here in the building and uh, especially a warm welcome if you're watching online. It's great that you're able uh, to join with us uh, this morning. Uh, if you're new here this morning, it's great that you're with us. Uh, please do join us after the service for a cup of tea or coffee. Uh, say hello. It'd be great to get to know you uh, a little bit better. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series on real change, five of six, uh, and we're looking at how we can have a heart and life transformed by God. And this week, uh, Colin will be helping us reflect upon the way uh, that the Holy Spirit, uh, through lives of repentance and faith, that we can see the fruit of the Spirit being born uh, in our lives. Uh, Let's just take a moment uh, to pause, uh, to still our hearts. Now, I'm sure that uh, we've had lots of distractions, uh, maybe just getting here this morning, uh, or distractions that are running through our minds, perhaps challenges that you face in the weeks ahead, uh, perhaps good things that are about to happen, uh, maybe worries that you have of those you love weighing on your heart. Um, But before we start our service, let's just stop for a moment. Let's be mindful of coming here this morning to devote our hearts, our minds, and our lives to God. So let's just take a moment to let go of those things that are causing us uh, to look away from God. If they're burdens, bring them to him. Uh, If there are delights, then thank him for them. So just take a moment to deliberately uh, put those things down. And let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we pray that as we journey through the service this morning, that our hearts would again be captivated by you as we dwell on what you have done for us in and through Christ Jesus. Incline our hearts towards you. Father, where hearts are cold, we pray that you would warm them as we sing your praises, pray and listen to your word as it is read and preached. Help us to more deeply know your amazing love for us and of our desperate need for you. Amen. Uh, The psalmist uh, writes this in Psalm 8. He says, Lord... Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. It's great, isn't it? The psalmist reminds us that the one that we come to worship is the one who's created all things. And that the majesty of his creation points to and reveals something of his incredible glory. And amazingly, the one who cast the stars into space is the one who created us and sustains us. He's mindful of us. He's mindful of you and he's mindful of me. And as his care for us is revealed in the sending of his son to live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we deserve. By the work of Christ on the cross, the enemy's strongholds have been destroyed. We can come into God's presence as his children. And that's a truth that causes our hearts to sing, doesn't it? It causes our hearts to rejoice and to delight. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to respond by singing praise to God with our two opening songs. He who has held the oceans in his hand and living hope. So can I invite you to stand with your masks on and sing his praises.
So let's, uh, let's now uh, turn to prayer uh, and offer these things uh, up to our Heavenly Father. So Father, we lift uh, uh, before you this morning Bethan, Lilia, Joe and Naomi as they ready themselves to return to Senegal. Father, we pray that you would strengthen them for the season ahead, drain away anxieties and fears and grant them a profound sense of your peace. We pray that they would know your protection and that as they serve you in Senegal, that in your mercy you would allow them to flourish and for the ministry to which you have called them to bear much fruit for your glory. And we pray for the work of the Community Cafe here at LCBC. <coughs> Father, we thank you for the friendships that are being formed. And we pray that you would draw people from the village uh, to come along. Uh, help us to gossip the news of the cafe uh, to our friends. And we pray that as people come that, they would, uh, that you would allow good conversations to occur. And we pray that you would grant us opportunities to share the reason for the hope that we have. We pray that you would draw people to yourself through the witness of the cafe. And Father, we pray for the forthcoming Lighten Up Party. We pray that the young people would invite many of their friends to come and those invitations would be accepted. We pray that both young and old at the Lighten Up Party would come to recognise that Jesus is the light of the world. We pray for good connections to be made and meaningful conversations to take place. We pray, pray that the evening would be full of the joy of light and we pray for Nathan, for Cal and the team as they lead that evening. And we pray for your hand of protection on that evening. Father, we pray for those people who serve to proclaim and live out the gospel in dangerous parts of the world. We pray particularly for the work of CMS in Eswatini. We pray that there would be peace in that land, that you would raise up and empower honest people to drive out corruption. We pray for the work of our missionaries in Nigeria. We pray that you would extend your mighty hand of protection and that you would hedge them in, that they might continue to serve you in that place. We also pray for Pastor Julian in Romania. We pray that the collapse of the government coalition and the current COVID crisis would not prevent people from hearing your word. Continue to bless his ministry in that place, we pray. And we pray for our own government as they seek to navigate the nation through the current COVID crisis. Grant them your wisdom and place in their hearts a desire to do what is best and right rather than expedient. We pray that you would strengthen all those frontline workers working long hours sometimes with inadequate resources as they care for patients. We pray for those in our own church family who are struggling due to physical ailments, mental health issues, those who are spiritually struggling, and those who are under great financial stress. We pray that you would bind up the wounds of those who are broken. We pray that by your spirit you would comfort all who find themselves in a season of trial. And in a moment of quiet now, in your own hearts, raise up before God by name those known to you who are in need of his help and provision. And just before Colin comes to speak to us this morning and Zoe brings us our reading from scripture, uh, let me pray for them and for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living and powerful word. We pray that as Zoe comes to read for us this morning, that she would do so with clarity and confidence. 
Father, allow these words of scripture this morning to penetrate our hearts as by your Holy Holy Spirit you lead us into all truth. We thank you for the words that you have given Colin to speak to us this morning. We pray that you would anoint his lips as he speaks. Might his words be those you have given to him to share with us. And for ourselves, I pray that you would give us hearts that are soft and ready to receive what you are saying. Make us teachable this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. If you'd like to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And we'll read through to chapter 6, verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the churches in Galatia. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we come to the word, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help in this. An old Anglican prayer says, What we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, as we are um, continuing our series in uh, Real Change, both on Sundays and in our home groups, uh, we're looking to be transformed and changed more into the image of Jesus. That ultimately, uh, that we would become like him. Uh, So we ask, well, how does Jesus produce uh, fruit in our lives? And when it comes to the theme of fruit or fruitfulness, some might think about it in terms of productivity or uh, prosperity in life in general. And it is that to some degree, yet ultimately, as we've seen, it's not about productivity or prosperity or even about our external behavior. But it's about our hearts. Because God wants our hearts. That we would be satisfied in him and live for him and with him in the joy and peace that only he gives us. That as we walk closely with, uh, with him, then we would experience that fruitfulness. Now, when we think of fruit as well, there's an aspect of, of beauty that comes to it, isn't it? When you see that picture there, the element of, of beauty of a fruitful life. Because as to live a fruitful life for God is a truly beautiful thing. As we, as we cease to live for ourselves, we stop living for our self-obsessed desires and instead live as free people. Free people who love others and love God with all our hearts. In the first four weeks of our study so far, uh, just to recap, we've seen how our Heavenly Father is changing us into the image of, our, of His Son. And he's doing that through our circumstances, our heat. That in everyday life, he is changing us. He is forming us and shaping us. And he's using our trials or our heat to do that. We've also seen that we often respond from our, from our sinful hearts with bad fruit. That is, the thorns in our lives. And then last week we saw how the love of God it changes us as we respond in repentance and faith to all that Christ has done for us. It radically changes the way that we live. Because Jesus is the one that produces fruit in our lives. It is his spirit that indwells our hearts and and he's the one that brings fruit. As we see that when we are led by the spirit, being led by the spirit, it brings three aspects to it. It brings freedom, freedom from slavery to the law. It brings fruitfulness as God brings life to us and not death, and it brings faithfulness as we grow in Christian maturity day by day. And so firstly, being led by the Spirit in our lives brings freedom. Freedom from slavery to the law. As the Apostle Paul says to the Galatians in today's what is modern day Turkey, he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul's letter is to the churches in Galatia, where there is a mix of both Jew and Gentile. The Jewish believers are encouraging the Gentile believers to get circumcised, circumcised in line with the Jewish law. But the Apostle Paul says to them that if they are trying to get circumcised to try and justify themselves, that is to make themselves right with God, 
then they will cut themselves off from the grace of God. As we are not saved by our external religious works, we are saved by the free gift of grace in our Lord Jesus and what he has done for us. Therefore, Paul is angry. He's angry with the false teachers. He's angry, as he says throughout chapter 5, we're called to be free from trying to prove ourselves through the works of the law and instead use our freedom to serve one another in love. However, instead of loving one another, he says they bite and devour each other. In other words, they're tearing into each other with their speech. And for us today, we are called to speak life into one another's lives, to build one another up and not tear each other down. It means that when we gossip and slander about others, when there's gossip and slander swirling around the staff rooms, the rec rooms, the workplaces, our homes, we are to have no part of it. We're called not to indulge the flesh by satisfying that desire to slash into people with our speech. Instead, we're called to serve one another humbly in love. We're to seek the path of love as we serve others rather than satisfying our desires to pierce them with our comments. And how do we avoid this? Well, Paul tells us from verse 16. He says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that we are not to do whatever we want, but if we are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul says that if we walk by the Spirit of God in our lives, then we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. And the word is gratify. The temptation to indulge and gratify ourselves by gossiping at the expense of other people. But Paul says, if we're walking in the Spirit, that is, if we're walking closely with Jesus, then the temptation to gossip and slander other people will be far less. Because he says that if you're living by the Spirit, we will not have conflict. Because our hearts will be free, because our consciences will be free. Because we'll be led by the Spirit. The freedom that only comes through Jesus. That peace that only comes through the Lord. And instead, we will walk with joy and peace in our hearts as we are led by the Spirit and not by the flesh each moment of the day. As a young Christian, I remember I'd been discipled by a pastor, a really gracious, godly man who I went to see a few weeks ago when I was in Germany. And he just displayed this idea in spades. As no matter what people would say to him, whatever, whatever they would say and however they would say, as ungracious as it was, he would not turn to other people and gossip about them. He would not do that. But instead, in compassion and gentleness, he would speak to them and then pray for them. For me, that was so powerful. I'd never seen that before. That he wouldn't tear them down as soon as he left the room. But his response was to, was to pray for them and to encourage others to pray for them too. 
That was deeply convicting for me. Indeed, prayer should be our natural response as we experience trials throughout the day. As people come to us with various things throughout the day, we should be prayerful so as to prevent ourselves from gratifying our sinful desires. As being led by the Spirit not only brings freedom, but it also brings fruitfulness. Fruitfulness as God brings life and not death. These words, inspired by God and written by Paul, paint such a contrasting picture of the acts of the flesh and the life in the Spirit. As Paul writes from verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The acts of the flesh are both stark and the consequences of living in them are serious. Deadly serious. As you see in verse 21, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It means that if you are consistently living and acting out of the flesh, then heaven is not your home. The door will be shut to you, and only judgment awaits. <coughs> Yet it would be easy to look at this list, wouldn't it, and just pass it off and say, well, I've never committed what I think to be idolatry or witchcraft or orgies and the like, so therefore it doesn't apply to me. But the most important thing is we're, as we're thinking through our real change is not so much the blatant sinful acts, but the heart motivation. What is our heart motivation as we look at this list? As it says in First John 1 verse 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is considered a murderer because hate in the heart displays a murderous thought. Or as Jesus says in Matthew 5, his very famous words, if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, then they have already committed adultery with her in their heart. As one writer, uh, Drew Hunter, says, the essence of sin is not merely breaking rules. It is breaking trust, as under every sin lies a failure to trust God's heart. As all these sins listed have one major thing in common, Pure and utter selfishness. Selfishness because, as Hunter goes on, that sin is inherently anti-social and always ruins relationships. If you want to understand why it is there's conflict, conflict in your classroom, in your workplace, in your marriage, in your neighbourhood, even conflict amongst other Christians, it's clear that it's because of our selfish sin. As all sin is inherently antisocial. As it is the love of self above the love of others. Paul says that those who consistently live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, friends, let us examine ourselves. Are you living to please yourself? Or are you living with a heart 
for God. Because if you're a Christian today, you have a heart for God, don't you? Because Paul says as Christians, we belong to the Spirit and not the flesh. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and ending each other. Interestingly, it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, but fruit of the Spirit. Because when we repent and turn to Jesus, he gives us the full fruit of the Spirit of God. Therefore, we don't need to look elsewhere to try and tag it on. God has already given us everything that we need to flourish and grow. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. It is Jesus that produces the fruit in our hearts. But as any good gardener knows, we need to tend, prune and water the things that are in our gardens to allow them to grow better. If we want to see spiritual fruit in our lives, we need to be pruning our hearts as we confess sin, repent of it, and repent of our sinful desires, and feed our souls with good Bible reading, meditation on the Word, and prayer. And God brings the growth, but we prepare the soil and tend the weeds as we see the fruit in our lives flourish and grow. As being led by the Spirit brings, it brings freedom, it brings fruitfulness, And lastly, it brings faithfulness as we grow in Christian maturity. If you have a Bible there and looking at chapter 6, you'll see that as we're led by the Spirit of God more and more, then we'll grow in faithfulness and Christian maturity in many ways. Firstly, as it says there in in verse 1, through correcting people gently. As we saw last week in the parable of the lost son, uh, father's heart goes out in compassion. Compassion to both sons, both the lost son and the legalistic son. And that's the posture of God's heart to us. Compassion. Therefore, when it comes to speaking to people who are living in clear and blatant sin, we want to correct them with compassion, with gentleness. We don't step back out of fear of what they may or may not say to us, but we step forward out of love and compassion for them, that we would love them well enough to speak to them gently. As we're also carried, also called to carry others' burdens. When we love others deeply from the heart, we want to, to listen to them, to hear their concerns, to speak God's truth into their heart, and to pray for them. That is what it means to love God's people, to love others as we would want to be loved too. We can only really do that if we are walking in humility. If we have too high an opinion of ourselves, we won't receive criticism well at all. We'll be hurt and we'll be self-defensive and we may even do things that we shouldn't do because God hasn't called us to do that. But we don't really understand who we are because we're not walking in humility. As we might, we might then, if we fail in things, then slip into self-pity as we think we're no good at that and we can't be good at anything. But true humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. 
When we're led by the Spirit, we take the spotlight off ourselves and fix the spotlight on Jesus as he leads us, guides us, and helps us in every moment of the day. As growing in maturity should lead us, ultimately, to examine our motives and avoid jealousies. It mentions in verse 4 to 5. In the context of the Galatians, they are looking to their works, to their external religious acts, to try and prove themselves. And therefore, there's conflict that arises amongst them. However, the Spirit of God, it shouldn't lead us to that to try and show how good we are, but it should bring us freedom because of what Christ has done for us. Because of what he has done, we don't need to prove ourselves. We don't need to prove ourselves in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, when we're at school, in anything, because we can rest in what Christ has done for us. We can experience that rest and we're reminded of it as we continually look at his word and delight in it. And as we do that, then we can share what we are learning as well. To share what we are learning with others, it means that we have to be learning something as well as we're in the word continually. And in in that sense, home groups uh, plays a a role in that. The women's connect groups as well. Sunday gatherings, uh, Thursday at one prayer meeting. All these things are wonderful things, but we should also be feeding our own hearts daily. Feeding ourselves with God's word in prayer, just devotionally growing in goodness, in the goodness of God in his word. And this should therefore help us to be people who are living with integrity. As God is the one who is, he is the one who is helping us to live a life of integrity, to not be a hypocrite, a two-faced person. But as we help, as we look to him, he is the one that gives us strength that we would live with integrity. We repent of the times that we fall short when we sin and we look to him that he would help us to be led by his word in our lives. Underpinning all this, to, to live a life of integrity is to follow God's word, to trust it and to look to him in every way. As Sinclair Ferguson says, spiritual growth depends on two things. Firstly, a willingness to live according to the word of God. And secondly, a willingness to take whatever consequences emerge as a result. No matter the cost, we must always trust God and his word. Because his word and his way is always good. Always good. God is always for us. Never against us. He is always for us. Therefore we can trust him when he makes promises in his word. <laughs> lastly, as we walk in step by the Spirit, and we can draw close to him, and that will lead to serving others often. It's by the Spirit of God working in us, as we see from verse 9 to 10, that we will be able to persevere. Persevere in service of others as we seek to do it, not in our strength, but in his It means that we should be looking for ways to serve others, especially as it says there in verse 10, those in the family of faith. Therefore, if you're a member here or if you're coming along regularly, you should be looking for opportunities to serve. Looking for opportunities to grow and help others grow as well. We want to to do that as we, we don't do it to try and earn favor from God. We already have it in what he has done for us. As it's out of the overflow of your love of Christ that should pour into the lives of others through service.
And we give ourselves to God, we, we give ourselves sacrificially because he gave himself sacrificially for us. Therefore, we live a new life. As it says in Galatians 2.20, I, Apostle Paul speaking, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is true for each of us who trust in Jesus. That we live with Christ. That the old self has died. The old self with its selfish, sinful tendencies is dead. And we live in Christ. We live for Christ. He is the one that we live for now. And now we want to live for him as we just delight in him in daily fellowship with him. As we read his word, as we sit in prayer, as we talk to one another about what we're learning about the Lord, growing in, growing in grace, growing in the love of Jesus day by day. And in the light of that, the light of what Christ has done for us, then he, he makes us like much like the, the righteous man described in Psalm 1. And the preacher, famous preacher uh, Charles Spurgeon speaks of it uh, like this. He says <clears> that... The first blessing in the book of Psalms is that the godly man should be like a tree planted by rivers of water. It brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall not prosper. The great matter is being rooted by the well, the drawing of supplies from the eternal storehouse of Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness shall dwell. How can we fail to be fruitful if we draw our life and all its vigors from the Lord Jesus? If we're deeply rooted in the Lord Jesus, in a love of him and his word, then it will flow out of us. It will flow out of us. That we will be much like the trees you see at the moment. Beautiful. That we will blossom but unlike the trees at the moment the leaves won't fall off we will continue to bear fruit all year long that as we abide in christ and in his word we will blossom and grow therefore let your roots grow deep and wide into christ into his word that you might love him delight in him and may that overflow into the lives of others as we think about just reflecting on perhaps some questions, we'll go through these things in our home groups, but maybe even if you're speaking with people over lunch, it's great to just, I think, ask these questions to one another. Imagine the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. How would that, what would your life, how would your life be different if that was true? What do you need to prune in your life to produce more healthy fruit? What do you need to cast off, cut out in your life that you would produce good and healthy fruit in your life? And thirdly, what will help you to grow in the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Jesus produces the fruit, but we want to cultivate that, don't we? We want to live fruitful and good lives for him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving goodness to us in our Lord Jesus. We thank you that you have brought us from the flesh, 
from the acts of the flesh which lead to death to the world of the spirit which leads to life and peace. We thank you that you have filled our hearts with your spirit, that you have poured your spirit out into our hearts and the love of God is now present with us that we would experience the full fruit of your spirit. And so Lord, help us to walk with you day by day, to be led by you, not by our selfish, sinful ways, but by you as we look to have life in you. We pray that you would help us, Lord, by your spirit to apply these truths to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're at the end of our service. If there's something that's, uh, that, you know, God has spoken to you this, this morning, uh, touched your heart, and you would like prayer, then please do uh, come down for prayer ministry down here to my right, uh, or pray with the person uh, that you came with this morning. Uh, if that's not you, can I encourage you to make your way out uh, and receive a cup of tea or coffee, um, and, uh, yeah, do chat to one another, encourage one another uh, with, uh, with words uh, of how God has been at work in your heart and how you're seeing the fruit of the Spirit uh, grow in your own lives. And don't forget also to collect your children as you go. (laughs) Very important. As we go out, just some words from uh, Revelation chapter 1, 5 through 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.